Awesome. What is up, Kings Academy? How we doing? Dude, let's, aren't those videos super dope? Those are awesome, huh? Those are sick. Well, what is up? My name is Matt. I'll be your speaker this week, and I'm so stoked to hang out with you. If you have your Bibles, you're going to want to open them up to John chapter 1. You're going to need your Bibles the entire week. As the video kind of walked through, that is going to be our source of information. That's where we're going to teach from. That's where you're going to be diving into your devos this week. So if you don't have a Bible, let a staff member know. They'll hook you up with a Bible. You're going to need it at chapel times. Well, again, my name is Matt. I am a pastor in Fresno, California. So literally an hour and a half down the hill. I'm right there. Been there for two years as a campus pastor down there. I did not come alone. I have my incredible family with me in the back. My beautiful wife, Grace, who's amazing. And then our two daughters, Selah and Sunday. If you can't see them back there, you can see them up here. Uh, so definitely married up and God blessed us with two incredible kids. So we'll be around all week. Come bug us, say hi, be friends with my kids. We're here to hang out with you. And I'm so stoked. Actually, a couple years ago, uh, I used to be a camp director here at Hume Lake. So I love this place. And God has done so many incredible things in the seats you are sitting in. And I'm so excited to see what God is going to do this week. And the funny part is, before I moved to Hume, before I moved to Fresno, I grew up in Southern California in a place called Ventura. And I was a beach-going kid, but my parents plugged me into private Christian education, just like you. And I remember going, my, my dad and my mom, I grew up going to church every Sunday like clockwork. And I would go to school, but for me, if I'm honest, I hope we can start off this week by being honest with where we're at. Like the video said, being honest with where we're at with God. To me, all God was, was some superpower in the sky that my parents worshiped on Sunday that ruined a day out of the week where I could do something else. Like that's where, that's my thought of God when I was in junior high. Just being honest with you. So I hope as we kind of come to the table, as we come to this place, that you feel like you can be honest with where you're at. Like the video said, if you're like, I I'm not quite sure who God is, let's say it. Man, if you're in love with God, you love Jesus, you've been walking with Jesus, you gave your life to Christ when you were two, praise God, be honest about that. If you're here and you're going, I've never even heard about God before, what is that? Be honest about it. Because this week, we are going to dive into who is God. More importantly, what is truth? What is the actual truth about God? We're not looking at my opinion of who God is. We're not looking at your teacher's or your uh, counselor's opinion of who God is. This week, we're going to hear from God himself. What is God's opinion of who he is? Just like if you wanted someone to get to know you, would you want them to go talk to a friend or maybe an enemy even, or would you want them to come talk to you? To you. So we're going to go straight to the source and discover what is truth, who is God, and what is the truth about him. And I would say that our world, just like this week, is at that very same point of asking that question that is so vital of what is truth, and that's the theme we get to unpack together this week. 
Because friends, our culture has an opinion of what truth is. You can't scroll through social media or TikTok or Facebook or what threads. I don't know what the new <laughs> Instagram thing is now, but you can find anyone and everyone's opinion on what truth is. And what we've seen is the, the world that you and I live in and interact with every single day has completely obliterated what it means truth is. Take, for example, how many of you have ever played the game Telephone? Come on. Yes. Praise God. So, telephone, right? If I were to tell my friend here, what's your name? Evelyn. Evelyn. If I were to tell Evelyn, hey, I want you to whisper, start here and go all the way through that, like, I love cheese whiz and it's the best. And I tell her that. And then she begins to whisper it to everyone. I guarantee you, by the time it got back there, it would be something like, I really don't like eggs. I don't know. Like, that's what it would be. Because as it kind of sifts through, everyone gives their opinion as to what truth is, and slowly it just begins to get lost. And so this week, what we're going to do is we're going to go right to the source, right to the beginning, and answer the question, ask the question, and answer the question, what is truth? And we see the example of truth just getting benched in your world and my world today by statements like, oh, just live your truth. Have you, any of you ever heard that? Or like, hey, you do you. Or live your truth. Or what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is what's true for me. But the problem is, what if my truth says your truth is a lie? Where do we go from there? We've completely obliterated or demolished the idea that there is absolute truth. And I'm here to tell you and what we're going to walk in this week is that there is a firm foundation for what truth is. There is a firm foundation for who God is. And you know what's awesome? You and I this week are not the first people in human history to ask this question. So turn to your Bibles to John chapter 18, and we're going to be in verse 37, where Jesus is going to have a conversation with a guy named Pilate. And while you turn there, let me pray over our time together. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, as we embark on this task of uncovering what is truth. God, I pray, God, for, for courage for this group of men and women here this week, that we would be honest with where we're at with you. God, that we wouldn't give answers that we think our teachers want or we think our friends want. God, but we would give an answer that honestly reflects what's going on inside because we all have an opinion on who you are. Father, I pray as we embark on this journey of truth, this journey of discovering who you are, God, would you begin to open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. God, and give us peace knowing that we can always find truth in you for you are truth itself. God, we love you. Give us a killer time this week. Help us to have fun. And God, may we leave this mountain on Friday more in love with you than when we got here. Jesus, we love you. And all God's people said, amen. So, Picture it with me, John chapter 18, Jesus is on his way to be crucified. He's on his way to die. In this process, he goes before a guy named Pilate, who is a Roman leader of the time, who literally has the ability to let Jesus live or let Jesus die. 
And Jesus finds himself at this guy's front door and Pilate is left with this decision, do I let him die or do I let him live? A pretty big moment in human history. And while Jesus and Pilate are having a conversation, Jesus begins to make some remarkable statements to a question Pilate asks. Look at this. Therefore, Pilate said to him, being Jesus, so... You're a king? Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come to the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And look at the question that Pilate asks, the same question we are answering 2,000 years later. Pilate said, what is truth? Pilate, in this moment, looking at Jesus, going, Jesus, what is reality? Is what I'm living, is this true? Or is what you're claiming that there's something bigger than my circumstances? There's something bigger than my role as a Roman leader. There's something bigger than me chasing after the next fad. There's something more important that I could dedicate my life to than my job. Jesus, what is truth? So 2,000 years before we sat here in this chapel, humanity is asking the same question. What is reality? How many of you bought those like Oculus, like VR goggles? How many of you have them? Okay, first of all, massively jealous. They look awesome. I don't have, I had GameCube back in the day, like, or Nintendo 64, I'm old. But like, what happens, right? You take the Oculus, you put it on, and immediately you're just transformed to another world. You're like, I'm going to go see dinosaurs, peace out. That's what I would do because I'm a nerd. But like, let's do it. Or if you're me, I'm a huge Golden State Warriors fan. Go Warriors. Like, I would put those Oculuses on. I'm like, dude, sit me courtside at a Golden State Warriors basketball game. It's awesome. But then what happens when I take those glasses off? I'm back to what is real. I think so many of us, like Pilate, live our lives in this alternate reality, believing something to be true that isn't. And Jesus, this week, our hope is and our prayer is that God himself would begin to open our eyes like he does pilots to begin to see what real life is all about. So now flip back in your Bible to John chapter one. Because when you begin any book, where's the best place to start? The beginning, the beginning. It'd be really awkward to go to like John chapter 10 and just cruise from there. So we're gonna start in the beginning of John chapter one. So it says this, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. John, in the first three words of his book, says some words, if you're familiar, my Bible class nerds out there, are familiar with the three first words of your Bible, which is what? Ace. You all get ace. Bible class. Well done. That's awesome. In the beginning, everyone's like, yes, I wanted it. You got it. I don't know if I can legally do that because I don't go to your school, but I beg to differ. In the beginning, God. So John, before he starts to etch out why it is to believe that God is who he says he is, he takes 
you and me and the original readers of the letter back to the beginning of your Bible. Back to the beginning where you and I as readers are first introduced to God. Kind of our first meeting. And he goes to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. Because I think John, like right now, understands something. You have opinions about God. I have opinions about God. And some of our opinions are that God is mighty. He's powerful. He's a loving savior full of grace. And we can worship him boldly and openly. And that is our view of God, an almighty, all-powerful creator who loves his creation, who extends forgiveness and grace and love and truth. But for some... Maybe their view of God is simply, again, what you've learned in Bible class, where I was when I was your age. I I could have less of an opinion about God. I could have cared less. I cared more about playing basketball and hanging out and playing NBA 2K when I got home. God, for me, was an afterthought. It was simply the guy who my parents worshipped on a Sunday. That was my opinion of who God was. For some of you, maybe God is just maybe where I was at. A mere someone who your parents worshipped or your parents plugged you into a Christian school to learn about. Or for some of you, maybe you're honest, you could care less about who God is. And that is your opinion. And John understanding that there's going to be a lot of different people through the course of human history who are going to read this book and everyone who reads it are going to come to the table with their views of who God is. And so John's trying to understand and help us understand, let's not get it twisted. Let's not play telephone with the name of God. Let's go back to the beginning and go to the ultimate source where we first get introduced to him. So let's dive back into John chapter 1, or shall I say Genesis chapter 1. So I want you to listen to this. In John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John, in chapter 1, this word he is talking about, in particular, is the person of Jesus. So he's saying Jesus and God are the same. That is truth. And that in the beginning, Jesus was there. That God and Jesus were one at the beginning, together creating all things. But not only does John want us to understand that Jesus and God are one, He also wants us to dive into and discover what God is like and who he is. So why care about Jesus? Because Jesus tells us who God is. Why care about Genesis 1-1? Because it puts on display through God who he is in the first pages of your Bible. And who is God? Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. So God pre-existed all time. There was always God, there always been a God, and there always will be God. That he stands outside of time, and he holds time in the palms of his hands. In that video, it's like, oh, when you think the word God, he's way bigger than you and I can think, dream, or imagine. 
Picture like the biggest thing in your mind, like the sun, and blow that picture up because it's way bigger than we could ever imagine. And this means that he is all powerful, that there's nothing that God can't create. There's nothing that God can't do. I think what's crazy, if you walk through the Genesis account, God makes a light to govern the day and a light to govern the night. He creates the sun and the moon. And one of my favorite verses is that next one right after that and says, and then God created stars also. It's like God was like, nah, I want to make stars. Bam, and there were stars. Like, with his, like this is a God who breathes stars out of his mouth. He's way bigger than you and I could ever imagine. So not only is he all powerful, not only is he all vast, not only does he hold time in the beginning and forever, he is intentional. The fact of the truth is that John wants us to understand and Genesis 1-1 wants us to understand, look at me, is creation wasn't an accident. You didn't just come by chance on this earth by some speck in space exploding and then you were once like a giant gorilla and now here you are. What Genesis 1-1 completely puts in front of our face is that you and me have been created on purpose and for a purpose. That you are made in the image of God as Genesis tells us. So God isn't this all-powerful God who simply creates and walks away. Like, like a clockmaker, or for some of you, you have like an Apple watch or a regular watch or you have a grandmother's clock. I don't know. Clockmakers, they just make it and they walk away and then it just works. And then whatever happens, happens. In Genesis 1.1 and in John chapter 1, they're saying, no, 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 don't get it twisted about God. He's also not like a Lego maker. How many of you love Legos? Dude, when you have kids and you step on them, that is a trial of biblical proportions. I love Legos. And I remember like building these Lego sets, but then after they built, they just kind of sit on the shelf and then gather dust. And I'm like, okay, I just want another one. And I completely forget about that one. And what John is trying to get us to understand and what Genesis 1-1 is trying to get us to understand is he's not a God who simply creates, walks away and hopes you figure it out. He's not a God who creates, puts you on the shelf and then goes and finds something better. In Genesis 1-1, he creates, and he creates man and woman in his image, and guess what? He dwells with them in the Garden of Eden. He's not an accidental creator. He is a purposeful creator. So God has always existed inside and outside of time. He was from the beginning, eternity's past and eternity's future. He is intentional and he's way bigger than you and I can ever imagine. Listen to this. Picture this in your mind in Isaiah 40, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? So picture this. Picture all the waters on the planet. And what Isaiah 40 is saying is God holds them all in the palm of his hand. Or with the breath of his hand marked out the heavens who has held the dust of the earth in a basket. Picture Mount Everest, a speck in a basket. Or weighed the mountains on scales and the hills in a balance. God holding all things in order. 
God creating on purpose and for a purpose. God not creating you and me and stepping back and saying, hey, seventh grader, eighth grader, I hope you figure it out. He says, hey, I'm gonna create you and then I'm gonna do life with you. I'm an intentional creator. Now, what do we discover about God continually as we dive into, look at verse five and six. That in him, this picture of Jesus representing God, for he is God, in him was life. And life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. Last summer, I had the awesome opportunity. I had never been to the East Coast before. I got to fly to Massachusetts and go hang out at Hume Lake, but Hume, New England. So they have a camp in Boston. It's pretty sick. It's kind of awesome. And I remember we got picked up from the Connecticut airport, and it's like one in the morning. I am dog tired. My kids are falling asleep in the back seat. But I'm like, whenever I get somewhere new, I got to see everything. But it's like pitch black, and we're driving this mountain road. And then all of a sudden, we're like in the middle of nowhere in the Berkshires of Massachusetts, like picture driving up Hume, dead pitch black. Then all of a sudden, our headlights hit this giant figure in the middle of the road that's like twice the size of our car. And I'm like, babe, we're going to die. It's over. I'm going to throw you out the car first. Me and Andrew are going to get away. Like, we're screwed. Sure enough, light hits it. It is a gigantic moose that's bigger than the I'm not kidding. It was ginormous. And, and my buddy Jason, who's driving, is like, let's slow down to see it. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Don't slow down. Speed up. We're going to die. Like, this thing's antlers could take my head off. But Jason's like, no, let's check it out. So he slowed down. And then this moose straight up like looks at us and then goes to charge us and then he books it and we like got away. It was the craziest experience. I should be dead right now. Like praise God. But the point is we would have had no clue <laughs> there was a ginormous moose in the road if we didn't have what? Headlights. I would be decapitated Matt Berg in Massachusetts right now if it wasn't for headlights. So what God is saying is in this process that he is light. What is in the darkness, what we can't comprehend through Christ, we then begin to see what is true and what is reality. Just like my headlights in the car began to show me what was reality. Because God himself, what we need to know about God is that he is in himself light. That darkness cannot stand up against who he is. And he enlightens and puts this on display for all of humanity. Why? And why does this matter? It's because it puts on the full character of God that he is holy. Can you say holy? Holy. Say it one more time. Holy. Now I'm not talking like holy cheese. I'm talking like holy, holy, holy like beyond perfect, like zero blemish, like I cannot stand in the presence of because I know that I am not that, that God is all together other, so that when he stands in the presence, him in darkness, do not go together. So what do we understand? Why is this important to know about God? Because God isn't just a better version of you. He isn't a more clear vision of what you think this is my truth to be. He is perfect light. 
in which there is no blemish whatsoever. He is perfectly set apart from all things. And no darkness can come into contact with him. And what do we know about light too? It exposes. And maybe this week, friends, maybe there's some things in our life, like my life when I was your age, and my life still to this day, if I don't allow the light of Christ to shine in on it, maybe we can be honest with ourselves. Maybe there's areas of our life that we've been keeping in the dark. I know where I was when I was in seventh grade. I know where I was when I was in eighth grade. And I had secrets in dark places that I didn't confess for years. And it held me trapped. Maybe this week, friends, look at me. Maybe this week, through courageous curiosity, you begin to trust the truth of God enough that he's an intentional, all-powerful creator that wants to walk with you and that in his light, he can expose that darkness and look at what he offers you. Look at me, is freedom and grace and forgiveness. So yes, light can be exposing. At times, it can be downright embarrassing. But God, in those moments, speaks truth and love over us. This is why I love verse 12 and 16 and 17. And John, look at it. But as many as received him, he, be, he gave the right to become, what does it say? Children of God even those who believe in his name. Now look down at verse 16 and 17. For of his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Picture 10 commandments. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. God makes a way in his holiness through the person of Jesus to make a way so that you can do life with God, so that you can be adopted, not, no longer identified by the darkness locked away, but identified by the person and love of Christ. And we're gonna uncover what that deeply means this week. And friends, that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that this almighty, all-powerful, all holy, holding the expanse of the waters in his hand, breathing stars, bigger than you and I can imagine, who knows every hair on your head, every sin in your closet, and even in that, we see that he is an intentional, relational God. And because of this, he is worthy of all our awe, he is worthy of all our worship. Worship is proclaiming that, God, you are better than anything else that this world has to offer. You get my time, you get my talents, and you get my treasures. You are better and more vast and more incredible and of more worth than anything that this world has to offer. So friends, as we go through this week, as we enter into worship, whether that's through music, whether that's through your devos, whether that's through time in your cabins, may we worship God for who he is, all-powerful, all-vast, holding the expanse of time and waters in his hands, but also deeply intentional. He's not an authoritative dictator. Look at me. He's not an authoritative dictator holding rules over your head and laughing at you as you can't meet him. That's not 
the God of the Bible. He's a God who's pursuing you every second of every day. And we see that is the truth of God from the very beginning. That yes, he's all powerful. Yes, he's creator. Yes, he's vast. Yes, he's all knowing. Yes, he's all places. Yes, he's light and perfect holiness. And yes, look at me, he loves you. And he created you on purpose and for a purpose. And this in who God is, according to who he says he is in Genesis 1.1 and in John chapter 1. We see that in him and him alone is ultimate reality. And we're going to see this week, Jesus, the person of Jesus, put this on display in his entire earthly ministry. And friends, my last challenge again to you this week, in a theme and in a week that completely revolves around truth, can you do something for me? Can you commit to being honest? Commit to being honest about where you're at with God. Don't give the answer you think will give you a good grade in Bible class. (laughs) Don't give the answer you've memorized. Don't give the answer you think is okay. I remember six years ago, Dogwood One, I was counseling a bunch of exchange students from China. And we had just had a talk like this. And I sat there. I said, what'd you guys think about that? And they began to give me uh, some really good answers. And I said, okay, but what do you really think about it? And they said, honestly, Matt, I've never heard the name of God before. We worship many gods where I'm from, and I have no idea what we're talking about. And when that honesty was put on the table, we could then have real conversations about who God is, about what he's done, about what his purpose for humanity is. So look at me. Be honest this week. Can you do that? I'll be honest with you. I'll be vulnerable with you. I'll be transparent with you. But this week, as we discover what truth is, let's be honest with where we're at right now. Because I guarantee you, this week is going to blow our minds. So with what opinions you brought up, just put them on the bench for the next four four days. You might want to be here for four weeks. I don't know. Four days. And let God put on display for you what is true. Let's put our opinions on the bench from now until Friday. And let's discover about what is truth and who God is according to God. Can you do that? Are you with me? Come on. Let's go. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are good. You are awesome. You are truth. God, you are all powerful. You are almighty. You created time and space. You breathe stars. You're more than just almighty. You are all intentional and relational. God, I pray that we would see you for who you say that you are. God, I pray as we worship. God, may we worship you in truth. God, if we need to just cry out to you because we feel like the trials of this world have just blinded us to you being present, God, let's be honest. God, with so much in our lives just changing and shifting, God, may this week we cling to you. Holy Spirit, would you move in this space? God, we love you. And all God's children said, amen.